I kept expecting anxious people to end and it kept going. I was highly annoyed. Like the last like six chapters, I kept expecting it to end. I'm like, oh, this must be the last chapter. Nope. This must be like, nope. (laughs) And you're like, are we there yet? Anywhere? Like for the love of God, how many endings are we having? This is worse than the Lord of the Rings movie. (laughs) Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on September 13th, we'll be finishing up our Harry Potter reread with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the final book of the series. We hope you'll join us. Then on September 20th, we have our Patreon episode. Ronnie and the Pirate Queen have chosen The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Haro for this month. Tune in to hear all of our thoughts. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, what are you waiting for? For just a dollar a month, you'll get a shout out every episode. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your week be spoiler free. Now, on with the show. Well, welcome back to the Book Live Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about our August buddy read, Anxious People by Frederick Backman. Abby, how did we select this book? I'm actually trying to remember now. Um, was it just the fact that we wanted to read another Bachman book? Or did we both, did you already have a copy of it? Oh, no, no, no. So fun fact, listeners, I did not have a copy of this book. And yet I had a physical copy at my house. In fact, I borrowed it from my other friend who forgot that I had borrowed it from her. <laughs> and... She was going to participate in the buddy read with us. And she's like, I can't find the copy of my book. And I'm like, really? Hmm, y'all can't, huh? Interesting. As I'm reading the copy of her book. And she's like, oh, did you start highlighting or highlighting um, underlying phrases? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> sure did. And she's like, wait a second. My book. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, it is. I can't believe you borrowed Elizabeth's book and then at the goal did not even tell her that you had it. Oh no, Abby, it gets better. So our birthdays are like back to back and her books that I bought her just came in. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to wrap up this book and put it in her present bag. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> terrible i'm gonna put it right on top and be like happy birthday and she's gonna be going so i think that's how we selected the book was the fact that this is frederick um, bachman's newest book that came out just a reminder for frederick bachman wrote a man called oof or ove or whatever way you want to pronounce it and my grandmother told me to tell you that she's sorry which are both books abby and i have read i do plan on reading bear town us against me Against Us or Us Against Them, which is um, Beartown 1 and 2, and Britt Marie was here next year. I do have them as well, sitting next to my bed to read. But I own two of them, and I borrowed one of them from my friend's daughter. I really want to read Britt Marie, Britt Marie was here next year. I really also want to reread A Man Called Uve next year, just because I just really want to reread it. <laughs> Some fun facts about this book. 
So this was a very personal book for Frederick Backman with a lot of themes that he highlighted from his life within it. He considers himself a bona fide idiot, and he wanted to write a book about the idiotic tendencies that people have. He also experimented with the format of this book, so I would say it is written quite differently than the other two books I've read by him. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree or disagree, Abby. Oh, 100%. This is a very jumpy book. It jumps around so much. Not in a way that you can't follow the story, just in a way that's not linear like his other books have been. Yeah, and there's a lot of stories within the story, a lot of intertwining, which was interesting. And in his interview that I read, he explained this was very much a free writing exercise and he left it that way. He's like, I wanted to write straight from the mind, straight from my mind and just let out a story. So some more background about this in fall 2017, he experienced burnout essentially. And in Sweden, what they call it, um, we call it burnout. They call it this person hit the wall. So he literally hit his wall. And that led to him shutting down. He stopped promoting books, stopped writing. And he started meeting with a psychologist. In general, he is a very anxious person, hence the inspiration of this book. In addition, I learned that the author has indeed been in a robbery where he was shot in the leg, which happened 15 years ago and makes him even extremely more anxious about being in crowds of people. Holy cow. Right. So he's been as yeah. Bagman also experienced a friend who committed suicide when he was 20, which is another theme we see in the book and something he really wanted to touch on as someone who's looking on the inside in, you know, basically survivor syndrome and how that guilt can eat away at you or, you know, all the complexities that come with it, which we do see within the book as well. And additionally, this book is about parenting, where parents do really stupid things for their children. Because you're a moron, and somehow we just have not grown out of that as a species. So those were, and of course, he also touches on a lot of current day events, especially stuff going on in Sweden. And this book, of course, was written first in Swedish and translated in English. So um, it's a very personal novel and a very experimental novel. I can definitely tell it was very experimental because it's not even close to his, the style from A Man Called Uwe or any of his other books to my knowledge so yeah it was definitely experimental I don't know it wasn't for me it hasn't turned me off of Bachman at all I still want to read some of his other books I will still probably read more of his books in the future it's just this one wasn't for me and that's okay Mm -hmm. well Abby would you please read us the summary there's a bank robber and a bunch of hostages who were for some reason at an apartment viewing on New Year's Eve. Except the bank robber wasn't a very good bank robber, and the hostages were honestly terrible. Also, there were two policemen who happened to be father and son. Oh, and something about a bridge, but we won't worry about that yet. And guys, that summary literally embodies the entire book. Like, there is so much jumping around in the book that, for one, I was like, who are these people? Okay, wait, we're talking about other people? Okay, so let's actually talk about the people that we jump around and meet inside the book. First, we have Jack and Jim, the father-son duo. Jack is the father. He's an older policeman who's trying to guide his son, who is also his partner, at their small town 
um, I almost said pharmacy. Wow. At their small town police station. There's also Jim, who is also a police officer, and Jack's son, who is younger, obviously, since he is the son. And he's an up-and-coming policeman who wants to prove himself to the big wigs in Stockholm. We have London, a bank teller, a true millennial, and she is such a delight to experience within the book. <laughs> we have... <laughs> Sorry. Please continue. <laughs> no problem. Okay there. I, I can't do it. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, she's such a delight, guys. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, we have Nadia, who is a psychologist who has taken on a very new and unique patient named Zara, who is a high-strung, just rude, cold, successful finance woman. She is, she is something, man. We meet Estelle, who is this sweet old lady who was just there at the apartment at the apartment viewing, waiting for her husband to park the car. Um, there's also Ro, who was married to Julia, and they're going to have a baby. They are married, and they are looking for their first apartment where Ro can have her birds, and their baby can have their own room. We have Roger and Anna Lee, who are also a married couple, who are middle-aged, and who are working together to flip um, apartments around this wonderful Swedish little town. We have Leonard, who's an actor, who is also at the apartment. We have the bank robber, who is not a very good bank robber, to be honest. And we have a realtor who has a really stupid <laughs> catchphrase that is continuously used throughout the book. And I'm really curious if I lost the understanding of it um, due to translation. But just so you know, she is a realtor with house tricks. House tricks, right? Right? There was a lot of that going on, guys. Uh-huh. But she is trying real hard to sell this apartment to either Roger, Anna Lee, Ro, Julia, Estelle, um, Zara, or Leonard. Someone will be buying an apartment by the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Because it's really more about an apartment viewing than it is about a bank robbery. Mm-hmm. And it's truly more about people and connections and the intertwining of each other. I had a revelation i had a shower thought where i was thinking about this book earlier and i'm like you know this is a lot like a butterfly effect one event that happens in the book truly affects geez at least three people's lives very significantly you know Mm -hmm. and in the end ends up affecting all of these people because they all get intertwined in this single event that's essentially a hostage situation yeah there were parts of this book that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the intertwining of the different characters and the different ways that their lives affected each other. I did like the commentary on parenting because <laughs> it wasn't just one line of commentary either. It was multiple lines of commentary from different characters. Yeah. And I laughed a few times. Well, everyone, as always, we tried not to spoil the first half, and we hope we gave you a good idea of what this book is about. And now we hope you read it and then come back, because now we're going to take a break and then discuss and spoil the book together. See you guys in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Thampod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler-free. 
Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai FanPod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, if you have not read Anxious People, pause right here and go read the book because we are about to spoil everything. So let's start with favorite characters. Mo, you have an extensive list. Why don't you go first? All right. So first, I want to start with Estelle. One, one question. Why are the old ladies in Sweden always the best characters? Significantly in many of the books that I have read. Okay, the old men are wonderful too. But I feel like the older, I feel like the Swedish elderly age like fine. I don't like wine. Hmm. Well, something that ages well. An old book. You know how an old book smells really good as it gets older? Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't compare old people to old books. They're not, <laughs> they're not smelly. But I, I, I just don't know how else to articulate this. And things that I like, because I don't like wine. I mean, I like cheese, but. I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I understood what you meant. Oh, my gosh. But I I really loved. Okay, so for one, she was giving me Betty White rose vibes off of Golden Girls, okay? Like, she's just this sweet, naive, and she's just like. I mean, when the bank robber is having a crisis and crying, she's like, she's like, do you, what, do you want me to feed you? I mean, I can get you some food. Are you feeling okay? You know, she's trying to take care of the bank robber. And I'm like, you're in a hostage situation. You sure you've been taking care of the bank robber? Whatever, you know, and not just that. I loved her story about the affair mm-hmm. quotation that she had with the next door neighbor where they exchanged books and how the neighbor put a key in the book where she could have gone to visit his um, apartment, but she never does. One of the um, quotes that I highlighted that apparently other people did too was, that's the power of literature, you know. It can act like little love letters between two people who can only explain their feelings by pointing at other people's. Like, you know, one of the highest honors I could give you is to recommend a book for you to read, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if I like you, I'm going to be like, hey, you need to read this book because I love this book. Like, one of the books I love to recommend to people is A Man Called Uwe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just felt so much of when she was telling that story, how she just really, she loved her husband, but she really connected with this other guy. And if, you know, she reminisced, like, if I had met him before, what would my life have been like before I met my husband? I was like, I get that. Yeah. That's what I loved. I loved Estelle. She was, for one, my top favorite character. Two, Ro took a little bit to grow on me, but once she did, I think what really did it for me was the fact that she first talks about her dad and how she can't. So she's talking to Roger and she's like, I can't make a decision. I really want to ask my dad for advice, but her dad is basically losing his cognitive abilities in a nursing home. And so she can't call on him to ask him for advice and she feels so lost. And she has not articulated that to her wife, but, you know, she's bearing her heart to the stranger, Roger, essentially. And Roger's like, girl, no house is going to be perfect. He's like, you can learn how to fix the baseboard. You can learn to do these things. He's like, this is a really good apartment and you should really buy it. Because one of the things about Roger and Anna Lee is that they always 
complain about the apartments they're trying to buy to make other people not buy it and lower the price to have a good return on investment. But he's like, no, this is a really great place. You should really buy this. And then you learn about her backstory about how she came over the mountains and, well, you learn that she's has past trauma where a white sheet kind of set her off that was drying in on the clothesline, essentially. And what would happen is that in her backstory, they were coming over the mountains to escape from wherever her family was from. And they had to cover with a blanket, with a white blanket in the mountains so they wouldn't be shot at. And their parents would run ahead to make sure the kids weren't shot. Like, like that's, I mean, that like really got me. And really, um, those two things really made me understand her and like her more, for sure. I liked Jack. I like, cause he's just like a, a well-worn shoe. Like he just wants to do his best. He's very methodical, very much. You do things X, Y, Z. I mean, he was so dad. He, I mean, he was the embodiment of a dad with a capital D. I mean, like khaki shorts, white, um, new balance socks up his thighs. Like I felt sorry for him because his daughter, he lost his wife. His daughter's an addict. Um, I sympathize with him and he struggled to emotionally connect with his son and he tried, though. Like, he tried his hardest to be there for his kid. And I appreciated that. I also liked what he did for the bank robber, where he's like, you know, like, we all make mistakes. He's like, you don't need to go to jail for being a dumbass. Like, just just go hide, and I'll take care of it. You know, like, he, he recognized, like, the bank robber wouldn't get any redemption in the system. And he's like, whatever. Just, just don't do it again. And then the bank robber, for one, she's a girl, not a guy, like we thought for most of the book, mm-hmm. who was an idiot, but she was desperate. Her husband got together with her boss, and then he kicked her out of their apartment. And, like, she has no job now, no home, and she was desperate, you know? And I don't know about how the social system works in Sweden or what the cultural norms are when it comes to getting help in situations like this, but... You know, she didn't talk to a lawyer. She was lost. I don't know why she didn't reach out to friends or anything. But, like, totally was, like, with her. Like, I felt a lot of sympathy for her. And I'm so glad she got her happy ending. I loved what happened between, like, her and Estelle. It was, like, perfect. Zara, like, either I hated her or I loved her. Like, there, there was no middle ground. It was, you're a judgy bitch? Or, damn, you have a lot going on, girl. I understand. I don't know. Like, I like the fact that she listened to heavy um, metal music to drown out her thoughts because she couldn't stop thinking. I appreciated that corporate climbing analytical mind. You know, I understand all of that being in a corporate culture and being that way. And just all of the weight that she carried because it was, this is a big spoiler, it was essentially her as the finance manager who denied the man on the bridge um, his loan, which forced him to commit suicide, which Jim witnessed as a young man, which gave him trauma where he would constantly chuck the bridge every day to see if anyone was standing on the bridge. And eventually he ended up saving Nadia, the um, psychiatrist, later. So, like, all these guys are connected. But Zara held that weight for her for, like, 10 years. And eventually, in the last reveal, that it says, it it wasn't your fault in the letter from the guy that committed suicide. You know, that was very reminiscent with, I feel like, Backman's backstory about why, you know, he wrote it. He wrote her as him, as the 
person who survives the other person's suicide. I don't know what you would call that person, but the person who is on the outside trying to look in. And so, I don't know. She was a very real character. And I just kind of identified way too much with her, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. Yeah, I did. And then I really like not, um, yeah, Nadia a lot, the psychiatrist. And how, you know, Jim saved her as a young woman and how that spiraled, well, not spiraled, but really kicked off her career in psychology and how she wanted to help others. Cause she's like, you know, I understand the weight of depression and I understand wanting to just be done with it. So I don't know. I just really appreciate her and how much she tried to really help Zara, who was her patient. But also I know she wanted to strangle her at the same time because Zara is stupidly frustrating. Okay, so I liked a lot of characters, Abby. Tell me about the character, character, <laughs> character that you liked. Like I said, guys, this book did not do anything for me. It was not for me. The only character I genuinely liked was Estelle because she's the sweet old lady who just wanted some company on New Year's. So she figured she would insist on having a viewing for her apartment. Spoiler, it's her apartment. <laughs> she figured she would pretend to be a buyer for her apartment and insist that it was on new year's eve so that she could pretend she had company over and i just but but remember i loved it because that's something her husband loved was having people over and watching the fireworks oh i'm getting there okay okay i know it's just she's so sweet i just love her so much i i love this doll she was great she was very much a mom figure constantly going Oh, do you need something to eat? Oh, here, have some wine. Like, she was great. And I suspected from the first time she offered food that it was her apartment because I was like, nobody in an apartment that is not theirs would offer food. (laughs) That is not a thing that people do. Mm. And the story with her husband and her husband having passed away and her liking to pretend occasionally that like he's parking the car or he's going to be home from work in a few minutes or whatever, like that kind of thing. That really hit me hard because to me, that's reminiscent of, I mean, it's a good coping mechanism, honestly, to deal with the grief of losing a loved one. But it's also something that grief does to a lot of people is make them think that the loved one is still around or is going to walk through the door in just a minute or that kind of thing. And so I just, it really made me think, dang, I can picture myself doing something like that years down the road if my husband is the first one who dies. Like, so that just, that kind of hit me hard. And I really liked Estelle. She was just so sweet. And she just wanted company and fireworks. (laughs) So, yes, I very much enjoyed her. Mm Mm-hmm. About you just flow right on into least favorite characters, okay? You just flow right into that. Okay. <laughs> Basically, every other character in this book rubbed me the wrong way for at least part of the book. And I don't like that. I like being able to connect with my characters, and I could not connect with these people. Okay. So I hated that I couldn't keep Jack and Jim straight, and that really messed up their storyline for me like I think I would have enjoyed it more if they'd had slightly more different names and I could have kept them straight in my head you know 
say the name Jim? Is that a young man's name or an old man's name in your world? That is either a middle-aged or an old man's name. Right. And if I say Jack, is that a young man's name? Middle man? Old man? Same. Middle-aged or maybe old. Now, see, for me, I have a lot of friends who have named their boys Jack lately. So I kept thinking Jack was the son. And I mean... Abby, I'm going to let you know, in the generation between um, your two kids, there's going to be a lot of Jacks popping out, okay? Yeah, like, I know Jack has made a resurgence in the little kids, but it's not become enough of a um, worldwide thing yet that there's enough grown-up Jacks Mm -hmm. for, like, me to connect that with the younger kids yet. Yeah. Well, that's why I struggled, because I kept thinking Jack was the kid and Jim was the dad. Mm-hmm. you know see and so I couldn't keep them straight so it just like it took me out of the story every time because I could not for the life of me keep them straight I would still get it wrong we were we we're literally just discussing this and I could still not tell you which is which I completely agree with you struggled real hard with those names yeah and so that's what killed my enjoyment of them or their story for me it was just like I can't do this this is more effort than it should be to remember which character is which. Honestly, I just found Roe and Julia obnoxious most of the time. Like, I didn't like their dynamic. I didn't like them individually. I just, I was sick of them before the first page they were on was over. I just, I was very tired of them. I know they were supposed to be this cute couple who had a great love story and like were quirky, I guess, but I, eh, I didn't enjoy it. London. I brought up London to our reading buddy group and I was like, I don't understand how somebody can be this obnoxious and obtuse. Like, because she plays a very small role in this book and it's like, I don't get it. And apparently, I just have not been socializing with young enough people, was the general consensus, because apparently there's a lot of people in what is it, Gen X? See? Uh, whatever generation comes after the millennials apparently there's a lot of them that are actually like london i thought x became before the millennials no because x comes before z i don't remember i just know that lots of people get called millennials who are not actually millennials and i take offense because i am a millennial hold on we are gen y we are millennials Gen Z is 97 to 2012. They're generally between 6 and 24 right now. Okay, so London would be part of Gen Z then. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I have apparently not hung out with enough Gen Z kids, and I don't think that's going to change if they're a lot like London. (laughs) Well, good news. Our kids are Gen Alphas, so. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, guys, sorry way to go on a tangent. We're like, we don't understand what the generations are anymore. We old. The end. Guys, before we became on this podcast, Abby's like, my heel hurts, and I can't explain to you what the name of it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, my heel does, too. She's like, oh, my God, we're old. I'm like, yeah, it happens. And, you know. I didn't sign up for this. Just massage your heel and take ibuprofen and call it done. That's literally what Google tells me to do, like, massage my heel ice it rest it i'm like what the heck yep welcome to your 30s hope it's great here's an ailment i was given to expect better than this man i know all right so 
Roger and Anna Lee made me sad. And not in a good way like a man called Uwe did. Like them as a couple made me sad because just their story was a good one. But at this point in their lives, they just, they weren't connecting anymore. And it was depressing to watch. I appreciated that they still wanted to connect and they did eventually like figure themselves out, but they just made me sad. And so I just, I, I had trouble enjoying them because of it. Zara was incredibly abrasive and I did not appreciate that. So when she's first introduced, she kind of felt to me like she fell into that kind of cliche surrounding analytical women who are high in the food chain in businesses, where they're just like very cutthroat and cold and mean. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that being the way she was being portrayed. Mm -hmm. Not saying there's anything bad with being analytical or coming off a little bit more cold or anything, especially when you are a high-ranking woman in a business because you kind of have to be to a certain extent. She just, she had such good commentary later on in the book that I really liked. And I didn't like her. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I That's why I struggled with her. And I was like, I'm like, man, I either, I hated her or I loved her. There was no middle ground, you know? Yeah, I was very much stuck on disliking her because they like a big part of my problem with a lot of these characters is the nonlinear timeline and the way they were introduced. Because if I had been introduced to their backstories faster, I might have connected with them better. But you don't get their backstories until you're like two thirds away through the book. Mm, I know. And that's that's a painful amount to get through before you get to where you should be connecting with these people. So I just didn't appreciate that at all. And Leonard was so blah. He was so blah. I hated that he and Zara were like getting together. Then I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? I was, I was honestly hoping that he would wrap it up and leave like those two as singletons rather than pairing them up. And he went and paired them up at the end and I went, ugh. I know. Why did you do this? It was unnecessary. I don't know. I don't know. He could have he could have just as easily left them as like they're going to be friends. Mm -hmm. I saw nothing wrong with that. But just ugh. Ugh. I know. (sighs) Listen, I'll just jump right in. Leonard was weird so he's an actor right and he and he gets hired he was being hired by Anna Lee to interrupt the um showing so that way you know they could get the apartments for cheaper because she wanted Roger to feel successful because Anna Lee was a very successful businesswoman who retired and Roger sacrificed his career so that he could be there home with the kids and she always felt like she overtook his life essentially and then she, after she just, you know, retired, she became his shadow. And it was so weird because she's like, they're, they're, they were weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Leonard was weird. But all of them were weird, okay? Like, not even their backstories redeemed them. They were all just weird. Julia was awful pregnant lady. Like, holy man, was she an ass, you know? Oh my God, I know, right? 
that's one of the reasons I hated her. Like, she was a horrible pregnant woman. Like, no excuse for half the crap that she was doing. Right? I just, I was like, oh my <gasps> goodness. I was like, dang, if this is what you're like when you're pregnant, what do you like normally? Because I don't think I like you normally. Right? Ugh. I don't know. Just rub me the wrong way. I'm sorry you're pregnant, but you don't need to be a jerk to your partner. Yeah. And the realtor was special? Weird? I don't know. I don't know. The house tricks thing was truly lost on me. And I think it was lost on us because, again, this book was written in Swedish, in the English, and I don't think it translated well at all. I'm like, but then again, Jim didn't get it either. So. I was wondering if it was just that bad of a joke and, like, the other people didn't say anything just because they were being nice i don't even know i i don't i i i don't even know i got nothing i know right like it was so i I don't even know i can't even express it um and london was just awful (laughs) that's just for real i mean she had like some redeeming qualities at the end but she still did not redeem herself enough to Mm -hmm. eh, london whatever all right well, let's roll into favorite scenes. You do, do you want to start or you want me to start? I can start. I'll get, I'll get through mine. So like I said, most of this book did not work for me, but I did like the end where they all colluded to let the bank robber get away. I appreciated the end to that story because it felt right. So I just, I enjoyed how they all came together and worked together to make sure that she got to go free with no repercussions. Um, the only other thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that they quoted Martin Luther. And as a Lutheran myself, that stuck out to me. And for our listeners, um, I'm not talking about Martin Luther King Jr. I'm talking about Martin Luther, the founder of Lutheranism. So just for clarification purposes, not everybody knows that. But I really liked that they quoted him and I liked that was one of the aspects of the Jim and Jack, Jack and Jim story that I enjoyed was hearing about the wife and mother and like the role she had played in their lives. I did enjoy that aspect. So, yeah. A few things, a few things. I too enjoyed the end where they all conspired to get the, let the bank robber um, get away. I thought that was very fitting. I don't know. I just, it just kind of warmed my heart. It was like the happiest point of the book. It was like, yes, this is so satisfying. I think my favorite part though was not when they all came together, but like right after where Estelle was like, bank robber, just come live with me. Bring your girls. You can have the bigger room. I'll take the small room and you can pay me rent or whatever. Or she paid them rent. I don't know what the arrangement was. But she was just like, she's like, here, I'll be your family. Screw your husband. Come here. And then Jack really stepped up and he was just like, I'm just going to, he's like, we all make mistakes. Let me just sweep underneath the rug. It'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And then when Jim and Jack are in the police cruiser and they stop by and the bank robber sees them and she's with her daughters, like her heart has a population, population. And I was like, palpitation, palpitation. <laughs> When her heart has a palpitation and she's like, oh my God, they're going to arrest me. And I'm like, don't you freaking arrest her. And then they drive away. And I was like, good answer. Because she's went through enough crap. No, I knew they weren't going to arrest her. I was like, I know. there's no way. I love the pizza scene. And Julia's ridiculous Hawaiian that was not a Hawaiian pizza. And Ro was like, do you know what a Hawaiian pizza is? She's like, yes, I do. And she's like, mm, no, you don't. But okay, you're crazy. 
like I understand the weird pregnancy craving crap. And like that brought me to my love of orange soda, orange juice, and orange ice cream while I was pregnant. That's what I wanted was orange <laughs> stuff. You know what I've not had since then? Orange stuff. <laughs> my pregnancy craving was the scrambled egg and cheese on ciabatta sandwiches from St. Louis Bread Co. Ooh, those are good. They were freaking delicious. Um, in my third trimester with my first one, I literally went by every day before work and got one. <laughs> like, they knew me. <laughs> You're like, I'm pregnant. Give me my sandwich. Thank you. Bye. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Did you have any uh, cravings with your second one? Not really. Not that I recall. Not like that sandwich. Not like that sandwich, huh? And I wasn't working when I was pregnant with my second, so I couldn't really, like, easily stop by St. Louis Bread Coat every day. <laughs> I mean, you could technically, but yes. I could have, yes. but I didn't. I did get more of a liking for eggs after my first pregnancy, though. Like, I eat them far more often now. I do love eggs. I love quiche. I love scrambled. I love souffles i love sunny side up i love omelets i love breakfast burritos scrambled fried all the ways mm-hmm. oh eggs eggs in a basket egg and avocado i love doing toast with avocado and some olive oil and then eggs that i've either scrambled or made into an omelet kind of thing you put another piece mm-hmm. of toast on top of that and it's a sandwich mm. Mm. Mm, so good i feel like we went forest gump here (laughs) we did kind of lose the topic um what other scenes did you like (laughs) oh um when the main character was revealed to be a woman i was like what because like we assumed she was a man and i'm like she's a woman and then it was so interesting because like the story like reverse itself like i could I, i can imagine a wife Who's having an affair? Wait, I can imagine. I can't imagine a husband kicking out the wife who's gotten with. I don't know. Like it just felt so weird, and it made everything a hundred percent worse. You know what I mean? It felt far more logical to have had the wife in the marriage cheating with the husband's boss than the other yes. way around. Yes. Yes. So this was like so unexpected. I was like. What? what's going on what now okay well now we're girl power now we're for the bank robber for sure 100 more than the first you know part of the book <laughs> and then i really liked when the women so the women being julia anna lee and estelle are bonding in the closet and estelle is just like yeah, you know i bet people hide their good wine in here and she's like just digging and she's like oh good i found a bottle of wine Bloop. starts drinking the from the bottle and passing around the bottle right sharing stories uh-huh. and she's like mm, i wonder how much wine you have to drink before you can start smoking cigarettes let me see just some cigarettes in here feel 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 and i'm like <laughs> you're feeling up someone else's closet but then she's dropping little hints that this is her apartment you know as she drinks a little bit more drinks a little bit more and she thinks i just take the last swig at the bug and smoke a cigarette right in the closet there's a vent and you're like oh yeah yeah you live here don't you you know I know it was just funny the way that that whole scene kind of played out and kind of revealed into it 
Um, and then I forgot to write that I really liked that the the bank robber's hostage request was fireworks to be set off and just literally to make Estelle happy. Mm-hmm. I know. That was super cute. It was super cute. And I liked how <laughs> Jack was like, I can do that. No problem. How about you, Abby? Least favorite scenes? Oh, yeah, you already did your favorite scenes. I, I got so distracted by all my favorite <laughs> scenes. I forgot your scenes was so short. Abby, tell me, um, what were your least favorite scenes by chance? Ugh, most of the book. I just, ugh. Again, this book did not do it for me. I, I spent the majority of this book bored. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. The scenes I probably disliked the most were the interviews that Jim and Jack were doing at the police station. They were just, ugh, just no. Everybody was being obtuse and hostile and talking in circles and just, it all felt so pointless and stupid. And I, I just didn't enjoy that. So I have pretty much the same sentiments in the sense of I did not like the interviews. I thought they did not add to the story at all. Jim and Jack were throwing me off with the names, couldn't handle it, couldn't get past it. I kept thinking, who is this one? What are they talking about? And I got I got most bored during their sections, unfortunately. I got really bored with Jim. I probably should put him as like one of my least favorite characters. He just kind of irked me the wrong way, you know? Mm-hmm. And like the beginning and halfway through the book, it took me forever to get into the book. And I'm like, I mean, I've been taking longer to read. I honestly just want to read sci-fi fantasy right now. So like, this is not sci-fi fantasy by any means (laughs) at all. So I am like struggle bussing hard on anything that is not sci-fi fantasy. So this like really Mm -hmm. drug for me. And then the format, like, I appreciate the fact that Frederick Bachman wanted to experiment with it, mm-hmm. but I didn't like the book until the character started bonding over the pizza, which is what, two thirds of the way in. That's a long time to not enjoy a book. Yeah, that's exactly my thoughts. Like, I appreciate what he was trying to do with the experimentation. It just, no, it did not work. The way all the characters are presented for the first two thirds of the book, they're just obnoxious and abrasive and obtuse and stupid and there's like there's nothing likable about any of them mm-hmm. until they start telling you their backstories and then it's like at that point I was just done with them anyway so I was like mm, no <laughs> you're not gonna make me feel things for you at this point sorry yeah and I mean I would say that's very I want to say it's very reminiscent of real life, but sometimes it's really hard to connect with people until you know their backstory. So I mean, like on the surface, I didn't really like any of these characters. But then like once I got to know them, I was like, well, you're actually not that bad. It was too much like real life and I needed some escapism, you know? Oh, for sure. Abby, what were your uh final thoughts of this book? Uh three stars, just barely. I spent most of this book bored. I didn't enjoy 90% of it. And I basically didn't enjoy any of the characters except Estelle. <laughs> and and guys, I'm usually a very high rater. So I feel like I'm being generous with my three stars, honestly. This isn't a badly written book. It's not. It is not a book for me. And that's why it ended up at three stars. Because like five stars is this book was amazing. I will reread it. Four stars is like, this is a good, solid book. I enjoyed it. Three stars is like, this is not a bad book, but I did not enjoy it. 
Yeah. Um, I like the way that one of my friends told me about her rating. Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. Because I was talking about her about a different book that I did not particularly love. And I like what she said. What did she say? Diana, where's your message? Um, she said, it um, for a three, it was fine. Read it if you want to. And I think I like that. Like, so for a five is that she'll highly recommend it. And she will probably read again. Agreed. Four. Highly recommended, but probably won't read again. Three, it was fine. Read if you want to. Two, read it, but don't recommend it. One, worst book ever, burn it. I have a few of those on my list. But yeah, I'm I'm a 3.5. So I am a in the realm of, it was fine. You can read if you want to. The half a star that I got out of it is because I liked the end. I like how it all came together. Um, it's my least favorite book that he's written so far that I've read. And I do appreciate that he experimented and that he tried and he wrote about real life experiences. And this was his book coming out of his burnout phase. But it fell short for me. And that's okay. Like, I don't have to love everything. I appreciated what he did. It did all tie together nicely. Again, butterfly effect. One person really affected other people who affected more people. And the ending was lovely. Everything just made me really happy that it worked out. I do agree if, if it was written differently in the sense if I had gotten some backstory beforehand for all the characters, I think I would have liked how they intertwined better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's one of those books that I would have to revisit and maybe I would like it in 10 years. Um, do I have time to do that? Probably not. I'm not a big rereader. So if I reread a book, it's a big freaking deal if I do. Mm-hmm. Like right now, guys, I am re-listening to Cinder by Marissa Meyer from the Lunar Chronicles because it is a blessedly amazing book. Anyway, so those are our opinions. We would be excited to hear from you, especially if you're in our buddy read. And you all have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.